AVXL episode 167 was recorded on January 26, 2022. 2021, by the way, it was no 2020, but it was still a weird year. Let's talk about the TVs, audio gear, streaming services, supply chain madness, and more that grabbed us over the last 12 months. And don't forget, email ask at avxl.com if you've got a question for us. And thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone that supports us at patreon.com slash avxl. Testing one, two, three. All right. I'm not blowing anything out. Ignorant weasels chewing on your soul. Ignorant weasels. Do you have speed? Yeah. Welcome to AVXL, your guide to the best in home video and audio gear, no matter what your budget is. I'm Patrick Norton. Hey, I am Robert Heron. It is a month of madness. January is a uh, bunch of home maintenance, major projects going on at my house. You are moving to a new house. Yes, this weekend, baby. For our patrons, we're not going to hit four episodes this month, unless there's a minor miracle. Uh, we will turn off the charges as we do, and we don't do four episodes in a month. So want to give you guys a heads up on that. It has been crazy. We, we talked last episode 166, we talked about the things that came out in the world of CES, attenuated yeah. as that event may have been. <laughs> Definitely wasn't the full show we've known to come and love, but it was kind of understandable given the current circumstances. However, we did point out quite a few of our favorite things, though, we saw at the show. Well, virtually anyway. We heard about from the show. Yes. Uh, yeah. Something I've been thinking a bunch about, uh, one of my first notes underneath the missing best of 2021 episode is that supply chain's suck. A big thing I noticed, because I, I was looking at some kit speakers, some project speakers to build, and I was looking at, I've been meaning to get in a pair of Emotiva's B1 Pluses to review. And I noticed something, is that the cost of inexpensive or entry-level speakers, uh, many of which are fantastic speakers, in many cases have gone up a lot. For example, those Emotiva B1 Pluses, fantastic speaker, uh, air motion style tweeter, uh, they went up another 20% at the first of the year. And that's up nearly 30% from earlier in 2021, right? They'd already gone up about 8 to 10% sometime last summer. They went up another 20% January 1st. That takes a $240-ish speaker up to like $300 uh, or a $250 speaker up to $300. And I was going to do a Parts Express C-Note kit. The name used to be the price, a C-Note $100 bill. They are now $150. Whoa. Now, look. Okay. Hold on. Uh, Elax Debut 2.0 uh, B6.2. This is, this is you, you guys heard me talk about this speaker. It's kind of my go-to. If you have the space for them, right? The crew over at Wirecutter loves the entry-level Polk speakers. You can go to wirecutter.com and look at those. Those are a small, inexpensive speaker. You know, if you can afford it, my entry level is, like I said, an Elac Debut 2.0 is the B6.2. So they launched at around $300 back in the spring of 2018. Prices occasionally dropped under $200 on Amazon uh, and other places. They went back up to about $350 in early 2020. They spent a big chunk of 2021 jumping between $350 and $260. And they're now currently selling for the MSRP of $400. Man. That's uh, a bit more accelerated than the cost of living increases. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's this is where things get interesting, right? Uh, and let me say this now. This is also the time of year when a lot of companies, uh, you know, that have been doing big sacrificial price cuts, you know, around Black Friday or around the Christmas holiday, they kind of ratchet things back up. 
as you've noted in the past, Robert, as the previous year's supply of TVs begin to dwindle, suddenly the prices, which were dropping, start to get back up because supplies are running out before they launch the next year's models that we saw at CES. Um, that's kind of a long-standing tradition we've observed for the last decade. Part of what makes this particularly noticeable for me in the speaker arena, and as a homeowner, I think I mentioned uh, housing housing projects, house projects, uh, wood or plywood or MDF or HDF, whatever it is, wood or plywood especially, has gotten a lot more expensive. This happened in a big way in, in sort of 2020, 2021, but one flat pack speaker kit I was looking at has gone from $300 a pair, and it's a fairly complicated speaker. So buying a flat pack, which is a bunch of pre-cut parts that you can glue together and clamp and build in your house, um, flat pack saves you on shipping costs, flat pack saves you on assembly costs, and in this case, it's a fairly complicated speaker. And I was like, man, this is there's a, a couple smaller internal boxes that go into a larger external box. There's a lot of routing and getting all the, well, you know, those those have gone from $300 a pair to $440 a pair. That's, that's a little under 150% increase price, which oddly enough matches the price cost increase on that Parts Express C-Note kit. In their case, it's almost entirely wood. And that Parts Express kit, I wouldn't be surprised if it's wood and shipping because shipping is still unhinged. A 40-foot container from China to U.S. that cost four dollars to $5,000 a year and a half ago is still a, probably around fifteen dollars to $20,000. They peaked at over $20,000 in September of October of 2021. And something I didn't think about, but I've been thinking about as we look at all of the complicated supply chain issues, you know, a chip manufacturer goes out or a fiberglass manufacturer that makes the base materials that go into substrates that the chip gets mounted on. Containers around uh, Southeast Asia that were $300 a year ago were like $2,000 or $3,000 when they peaked out. That's a 10x you know, increase, right? So, that is and, something we are still recovering from. I mean, yeah. even I happen to live near a port city, and you can still see ships just floating around, not being processed as quickly as they were. That backlog is hopefully something that'll be addressed in the upcoming months but wow. apparently it's gone it's gone down from its peak of 11% but is still you know <laughs> whatever metric they use to measure the the ship backups has gone down right but everything's getting more expensive <laughs> yeah be it the raw materials yeah. to actually moving things around it is on every angle pretty much a cost increase and that's tough for the consumer Hopefully we'll see some of those prices go down. We'll see what happens. But, you know, if you're seeing stuff and it looks more expensive, there's a, there's a good chance that it is. Shop around different places, buy things at different times. Amazon is not necessarily your cheapest place to buy things. Nose around, see what your options are. I have no idea if and when the cost of wood is going to go back down. I hope it does. <laughs> Indeed. I would like the cost of copper to go back down, too. A lot of copper in speakers, a lot of metal in speakers. And these are all things that have, that have gone up in price in a big way. But I, I just wanted to say, look, in some cases, I think we're going to see prices come down. There have been all sorts of logistical problems, all sorts of production problems, factory fires, you know, all sorts of mayhem. Uh, I think as things kind of chill out, I hope, let, let us hope, I will make a prediction, 2022, things will start to settle down in price as everything gets casual. Uh uh, you know, that or we'll all be dirt farming at the end of the year and, you know, stalking rats. <laughs> the extremes. <laughs> one or one the or other. The other. <laughs> oh, man. 
you know, watch all the YouTube channels now before they, you know, the YouTube collapses under the weight of whatever. Um, I'm being sassy and I'm being obnoxious, but uh, it has been a crazy year for watching the cost of things. We were, you know, jokingly, trackingly, not so jokingly, trackingly, subwoofer availability over the last year. And it was kind of crazy watching stuff appear and disappear and appear and disappear. Um, in any case, uh, let's talk about some of our fun, our favorite things or best things. Like, we have to, should we come up with a, an award? AVXL best of year number? Oh, hell X-X-X-X-X? yeah. XXXX? I'm liking okay. that. I think it's. Let us temporarily call this the best gear of 2021. <laughs> Sounds good. Or the best of 2020. AVXL best of 2021. Ooh, that sounded good. <laughs> I like that. Do you want to start? Yeah. I'll start off with uh, just mentioning the C1 OLED from LG, which, if you're looking for a good deal, is still available and at the lowest prices you can ask for as far as that technology goes for a quality 4K display. OLED's known for offering some of the very best contrast performance in any TV you can purchase today. That really is the key to what makes it look so damn good is that even in a pitch black room, black is black. And that, combined with the great sale prices you can get right now, make it a terrific TV for anyone who enjoys movies or games or just looking for a decent app performance and an app experience on the TV itself. Comparing even the C1 to something from a few years ago, all the recent testing shows that LG has improved upon these panels year after year in terms of their longevity and the ability to not become burned in with imagery. It's not impossible to burn in an LG OLED, especially a C1, but compared to even uh, four or five years ago, it is so much more robust in terms of that panel technology and being able to just provide great image quality without those kind of crazy artifacts we associate with plasma displays or some of the earlier designs of even LG's OLEDs. And overall, that's just a, uh, a fantastic piece of kit if you can swing it. And I'll always mention, too, if you're looking for something brighter, you're probably going to go with LCD. Just for the pure picture performance, you can get a lot more light currently out of some of the better LCD designs if you're dealing with a really bright room. But for a lot of rooms and for a lot of situations, an OLED is a fantastic bedroom TV or a living room TV, given the appropriate setup. And to to tie it in with that, uh, I guess last year or 2021, we mentioned the beloved six-foot HDMI cable in terms of connecting this wonderful video and audio gear. It turns out that six-foot length from practically anyone you shop from is going to be compatible with even the very latest standards, all the way up to 48 gigabit, all the way up to 4K HDR, high frame rates, all of it. And Linus Tech Tips actually had that sweet HDMI cable tester that they've now converted over to testing DisplayPort cables which I recommend checking out that video if you haven't seen it. Uh, short story is practically every DisplayPort cable is perfect. <laughs> it's really hard to find edge cases where a DisplayPort cable is going to fail you. Uh, however, uh, some of the failure cases, though, were pretty interesting that they did uncover. So, again, a short HDMI cable or a brand name DisplayPort cable from any vendor is going to provide you generally with perfect performance with those devices. We'll get into a talk some other time about if you need to run something further than six feet uh, with a traditional (laughs) cable and how to do that appropriately. 
I'm just glad somebody like Linus has access to literally a $16,000 cable tester. I only wish this kind of service were available in something like a Best Buy where you could bring a cable in and have them actually check it. I think that would be something I would like to see in 2022. And to Seriously. tie it all in, uh, we'll just go back to pretty much any decent 4K streaming boxing or a stick. Those really do hold up better over the long term than most any 1080p streaming device. You generally have a stronger CPU in that device. It's just going to provide better performance with future updates that will be added to those types of devices. And if I'm going to highlight a couple of them, it would be the Apple TV 4K. And I am also a big fan of the Roku boxes as well for providing me with just beautiful performance, uh, a good interface, easy to use, and they generally take care of themselves. I'm a fan of those 4K streaming sticks and boxes for sure. And on a more personal note, I finally took the plunge on my PC and upgraded to a monitor that supports uh, 144 hertz or faster as a refresh rate. And I will never go back. I am I am hooked <laughs> on it. Uh, it's one thing to have a desktop running at that nice fluid frame rate, or even better, it's the gaming, really. Uh, being able to have a display that can match the performance of today's best graphics cards with max quality and to run it something that fluid is just absolutely fantastic. And it's something um, I'm looking forward to. And to see more TVs coming for 2022 that are actually incorporating that 144 hertz refresh rate and maybe even faster down the road, especially on the, on the PC monitor side of things. There's kind of an arms race to see who can get to 240 and 300 plus, And that trend will likely continue for throughout 2022 and beyond. And as I'm packing up the office right now, I just went through a nice stack of ultra high def Blu-ray movies. And I have to say that remains my primary source for watching a lot of content uh, that's released into theaters in general. There's always your streaming sources for 4K high quality content. And I do adore those as well. But when you're talking about maybe you don't have access to the best internet or you just want perfect picture quality in addition to high bitrate audio quality for multi-channel presentations, nothing beats a disc. Players are inexpensive. The media is often on sale at some point. And if you have a few favorite movies that you could watch over and over, there is nothing like buying it on UHD Blu-ray. In addition, they typically include a Blu-ray copy uh, at 1080p and in sometimes even a DVD, all in the same box so you can share it in the household as such. And of course, when I think audio, I have to still love and appreciate what you brought me to, and that is the uh, <laughs> Sony MDR7506s. I have since that purchase actually worn the original ear pads completely to disintegrating qualities, and I've since replaced them. I picture myself using this set of headphones for a very long time as both a daily driver and something I use as a reference device. I'm very used to the way these headphones sound and their relative neutrality with how they treat audio of all types, be it the, the crazy bass-heavy songs to any kind of game I'm listening to and PC use in general. It's a fantastic piece of kit that's relatively affordable, long life, although I will say the earpads are probably going to go on you in a couple of years, but they will make <laughs> earpads for the 7506s long after I'm gone. So, <laughs> And you can get them in funky colors too, if you like. 
uh, a good headphones, 4K video, faster frame rates, good HDMI cables, great TVs. I uh, 2021 was a pretty good year for me. Yay. Yeah. Speaking of audio, 2021 was really interesting for me because uh, Meta Materials uh, started showing up. We talked Meta Materials extensively uh, with the Kef LS50, which is, I'm going to say, those are some of the best speakers that came out this year, and Dan Clark's Audio Stealth, which is uh, his new flagship. I'm a huge fan of Mr. Speakers. The primary engineer there is Dan Clark. Mr. Speakers is now Dan Clark Audio. I talked about these when I went down to go see uh, CanJam in Southern California. Oh, yeah. And these are two very different uses of metamaterials. And the Kef LS50, the metamaterial, it looks like in one of those childhood marble maze games where there's the ball bearing and you run it through a maze. Well, essentially, uh, they are using the metamaterial and the channels carved into it behind the driver in the Kef LS50, that concentric, you know, tweeter, uh, midwoofer, woofer arrangement to absorb signals or attenuate or, or trap signals before they can bounce around inside the case. And the idea is that you, you get cleaner detail, less reverberation, less noise, basically because the whole idea of a box speaker is to drive the audio towards you versus an open baffle speaker. And that's a conversation for another day. Dan Clark Audio, formerly Mr. Speakers, one of my favorite headphone designers, headphone engineers, used a very different implementation. So in their case, their acoustic metamaterial tuning system, the AMTS, is, quote, placed between the transducer and the ear. So it's got waveguides, diffusion control, quarter wave, Helmholtz resonators. So they do a whole bunch of complicated stuff into this little tiny structure. And it controls the audio that goes from the planar magnetic driver it goes through the AMTS, the meta material, and then into your ear. Much like the Kef LS50 Meta, it's about, you know, having subtle, flawless detail and eliminating as much of the problematic things that happen with physical materials in the real world and uh, controlling that. The nice thing about uh, Dan Clark Audio and Kef is they have a habit of moving their new technologies into more affordable products. Uh, I will very bluntly say Dan Clark has made a lot of his high-end headphone technology vastly more affordable uh, than Kef has, but they're both, uh, they're both moving the stuff. That may not be fair to Kef, but, uh, you know, Kef LS50 Meta speakers, Dan Clark Audio Stealth. Uh, and I should point out, Dan Clark's Audio Stealth, that is a $4,000 set of headphones. That is not an inexpensive pair of headphones, but they are probably as close to flawless as you're going to get if you like the Harman Curve where the bass response kind of kicks up from 200 hertz down to 20 hertz, which is designed to make headphones sound like speakers played back in a room. I will not go down that rabbit hole. Premium products incorporating cool technology. Yeah, if you're curious about that Harman curve and you don't want to spend $4,000, uh, AKG's K371, uh, AKG is a Harman subsidiary. They sell for about 150 bucks. That is a really impressive headphone for the money. Shout out to JDS Labs, who are just over the river in Collinsville. Uh, the Atom Amp Plus and the Atom DAC Plus, they managed to upgrade their performance uh, and deal with uh, the AKG DAC manufacturer, the DAC uh, Fab Fire. Uh, the Atom Amp Plus is the same $99 price as the Amp. The Atom DAC Plus is $10 more, so they, they're delivering a little bit better performance. Uh, they're dealing with supply chain issues, and they're keeping the price the same or, you know, within like 10% of the original price. So shout out to them for nice. making that happen. 
Let's talk about uh, THX and their first consumer product, the Onyx headphone amp. So THX, uh, name anybody in home theater or audio is familiar with, or, or video, or 3D. Remember 3D, Rob? Remember that brief, glorious phase of 3D? It no? clings to life. It's still there in, in a few places. Projector <laughs> yeah, folks are in projectors. the biggest say, fans. <laughs> if you got a bunch of 3D discs, you're moving to a projector when your TV dies. At least for now. But uh, so the Onyx, uh, THX has been around forever. Um, the Onyx headphone amp is their first consumer product. Uh, it's built around the THX's achromatic audio amplifier, or the AAA technology. I first heard that several years ago at CanJam, and they, they had a technology demo, and it sounded flawless. And it turns out it is basically flawless. It is crazy. You know, it's got an ESS uh, DAC inside of it, and the, the measured synet on that from, I think, Audio Science Review is uh, 108 dB, which essentially means it's indetectable to the human ear for extremely talented listeners or trained listeners is like 90 dB. For most of us, 70 or 80 dB is going to be inaudible. This thing is a black hole in a good way that your audio floats out of. It'll drive some fairly serious headphones to usable levels, you know, your typical 33-ohm cell phone-friendly headphones or earbuds uh, will will make your earbuds meet in the center of your skull. <laughs> so start with the volume turned all the way down. Uh, I like the compact design. It's a pretty sweet-looking portable yeah. amplifier, literally. USB-powered, yeah. perfect. It's kind of crazy. The other really flawless uh, USB-C slash lightning option out there costs about 10 bucks, and it's sold by Apple. Uh, it's not nearly as powerful, uh, but it does have a, a very, very high uh, quality of audio. But it's kind of crazy to look at this. Yeah, it's it's slick, right? It's the USB cable, you know, magnetically clicks back onto the uh, the Onyx uh, enclosure. You know, it feels good in the hand. Uh, it seems to uh, hold up fairly well to being trundled around in my backpack or, or hanging off my phone. It's a pretty impressive product, uh, and you're not going to get anything cleaner. I think, out there, uh, especially not powered by USB. Toppings PA5, I talked about this at the tail end of 2021. I got one in. This is a very small, compact, desktop-friendly uh, amplifier. If you've been looking for a small amplifier that's super, super clean, that'll sit on your desktop. And it's been frustrating because there's, there's a lot of inexpensive $100 amps out there. A couple I've tested have had some fairly serious flaws. And when I say fairly serious flaws, I mean audible noise, or when you like use the volume control on the amplifier and it goes from fairly silent to in the background to fairly silent again, that's super frustrating. Uh, the PA5 is, again, fairly flawless. It's uh, the cleanest amp. Let me put this in perspective. The cleanest amp I've ever seen signed uh, at numbers for is Benchmark's AHB2. That is probably the only power amplifier out there that uses THX's uh, AAA technology. It's $3,000. Right. But it is also insanely quiet uh, and insanely powerful. I think uh, Audio Science Review had it at 100 watts per channel into 8 ohms and 190 watts per channel into 4 ohms. That's with both channels driven. That's incredibly powerful. PA5 is 83 watts per channel into 4 ohms, 48 watts per channel into 8 ohms, which is still pretty loud, even driving like a 6 ohm 83 dB a less sensitive speaker. Right. I've got some like 91, 92 dB efficient speakers. You know, the ones I was running the benchmark on are like uh, 83 dB efficient and it was still getting plenty loud. Uh, you know, if you need to sit 10 meters from them and you like 
ear damaging levels. Okay, it's probably you could use more powerful, uh, a more powerful amplifier. But for this, it's kind of crazy because it's three hundred and fifty dollars. There are more powerful Hypex or Purify amps out there, uh, Class D amps, but they're not as cheap. This is about half the price of a lot of those, and they're generally power amps, not uh, integrated amplifiers. So shout out to Topping for a fantastic piece of engineering. I'm running one now. So far, there have been no issues with it. I will keep you all posted. I think the one big challenge for it, it has balanced quarter-inch inputs, so I had to I had to go buy a RCA to balanced quarter-inch input cables because I don't have anything with balanced outputs because I guess I'm just not that cool. Or but, it's uh, 2022. Really, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really impressive piece of engineering for the money. Yeah, I was really impressed by that. Quick shout-out to Monolith's... Uh, 13 inch and 16 inch subwoofers uh along with uh svs's uh sb and pb 1000 pro that came all those came out this year they are ridiculously powerful for the money by the way those also led to bargains on uh on ample or uh, subwoofers from monolith uh, monoprice and svs should we talk about the lossless upgrades this year for the audio streaming companies well do you sure <laughs> okay what I'll is just... this lossless thing you speak of <laughs> So lossless audio is essentially, uh, instead of having lossy compression, which, by the way, if you have Spotify Premium, you're probably aware that the lossy compression is really good. Better than people get it credit for. Way better than audiophiles give it credit for. I think most audiophiles in most listening environments would have difficulty telling the difference between Spotify Premium and their favorite streaming lossless company, whether it was Cobuzz or Tidal or now Apple Music. or uh, And it's been kind of crazy, right? So you used to have to go to some fairly obscure, I'm going to say it for most people, uh, maybe not for the listeners of this show, but uh, for the average person on the street, if you mention Cobuzz or Tidal, they're going to be like, okay, what are those? Uh, but uh, Things got interesting this year, right? May 17th, Apple Music announced spatial audio with Dolby Atmos and that they were bringing lossless audio to the entire catalog. So instead of having compressed audio, it is all essentially the same bag of bits that are on a CD. This is good. I'm not a huge fan of spatial uh, audio. Uh, I love Dolby Atmos. Uh, I love Dolby Atmos in a theater. Dolby Atmos and audio, I, I am somewhat undecided on. I have heard some extraordinary artistic achievements with it, and I have seen some albums that have been shoved into Dolby Atmos, I assume by some automated system that does not like me in particular and music in general. Apple bringing Lossless was a pretty big deal because uh, Apple Music, because that's 75 million songs, uh, or was in May, which is like 90 million songs now. Apple used Zalac, and that was like 10 bucks a month. The impact on that was that uh, Amazon Music decided to to bring Amazon Music HD or fold that into Amazon Music Unlimited, again, bringing lossless streaming audio down to 10 bucks. Uh, again, 75 million or more songs. Um, this is good. Uh, they have their version of uh, Dolby Atmos and 360 Reality Audio. Again, not particularly chuffed about that. Uh, Kobuz, who is uh as an audio geek i love Cobuzz streaming it's probably my favorite streaming service uh they're now down to 1083 a month for what they call studio quality that has flac and uh, high-res files by the way amazon music unlimited uh, or amazon music hd that's lossless cd quality uh not high definition audio amazon ultra hd is everybody else's high definition audio because amazon and uh oh yes uh 
titles hi-fi what they call their title hi-fi sound quality up to 1411 kilobits per second also now starts at 10 bucks a month so lossless audio is basically 10 bucks a month for all the streaming services pretty much thanks to apple music spotify who said they were going to go lossless is still mia on lossless uh, but they did go heavy on podcasts with complicated results for them and their business model <laughs> yeah. and again i want to say spotify premium is still awesome uh uh, even if lossless never shows up. Hey, uh, we're on Spotify. Also... <laughs> we are on Spotify. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I'm a little frustrated with how hard they are pushing podcasts because it's reminding me of how annoying title would be about pushing albums that I wasn't necessarily interested in. Uh, but, uh, you know, their streaming and their music discovery algorithms are still, uh, their streaming's excellent and their music discovery algorithms are the best. I'm just glad we have all these sources now for literally CD quality audio, where yeah. even someone like me who has a huge CD collection and, and has no problem, you know, converting that to a lossless format that I can enjoy on my network. Hey, now I don't have to go through the hassle of ripping discs or anything like that and just simply <laughs> buy a subscription, have every disc I love available pretty much in streaming ease so to speak and that's uh, it's just good to funny. see there are plenty of options out there for not that's a hell of a lot of money that. really i've i've been buying in part because there's a whole bunch of places to buy uh used cds in uh st louis i've been buying used cd against to backfill some holes in my collection and no small part because i've been watching things fall in and out of again a lot of stuff i listen to is really obscure but I've been watching stuff, you know, like show up or disappear on, you know, Spotify or Tidal. And so that's kind of got me to the point where I'm getting my whole collection filled out with all the stuff that I absolutely desperately want, um, which reminds me, um, Bandcamp. I love Bandcamp more and more. Uh, there's an app for your phone for Bandcamp, and that's it's essentially a service that allows people to sell or musicians to sell their albums directly. Um, I've bought lossless flack albums off Bandcamp for like 10 or 12 bucks that I can't buy on used CDs for under a hundred bucks. Uh, that's cool. That money also goes straight to the artist. Yeah. I was, I was laughing cause one CD I wanted, somebody was trying to sell it for like $250 on eBay and the band was selling the, the flack files for like 12 or 15 bucks on, uh, on Bandcamp. So a big shout out for that. It was also interesting cause some older, uh, dead labels, indie labels are putting entire catalogs on there. So it's it's cool to see that happen. Uh, I mean, Bandcamp is a real grab bag. You know, there's a lot of music there where you're like, well, there's a reason you haven't been signed. But then again, some of my favorite bands were basically never signed, and other people hated them when I loved them. So uh, again, uh, Bandcamp.com is worth checking out. That is one thing I do appreciate about the physical CD. I, I still have that nostalgia for seeing the actual album, <laughs> the album art. And the right. design of the disc case, even some artists are going with like all paper designs that unfold right. quite, quite interesting. And some of the content within that, not the disc itself or the audio contained within, but just some of those little extras included with that package can be pretty sweet. And I could see how collectors could take advantage of that, especially if it is rare or not. But yeah, oh. that's what gets me keeps me going back to CD, I think, as much as anything. <laughs> that and the fact that I know I own it and I, I can buy it once and kind of deal with it how I want, but there is a, a headache of management related to my method versus simply <laughs> coughing up a little bit of right. money for an incredible library of millions of tracks now in CD quality or better. 
I mean, that's one of the things that I, I really love about Kobas uh, is because they do, in many cases, they have a bunch of a deep amount of information that's been written about the artists or about albums and stuff. And that's one of the things that's interesting about uh, Rune Labs, that subscription music server, right. is they go out of their way to give you, they're trying to do both Tidal and Rune Labs, they're trying to give you this great experience. I was holding an album recently and I was like, you know, it's not a vinyl guy, but there's moments when you're like holding a double album, you open it up and there's all that stuff inside and all the lyrics written on the, on the, you know, uh, on, on, on the pages that are inserted in there. And that's, that's, you know, nothing wrong with that feeling. Nope. Um, I just really hate scratches and clicks and pops and the cat sitting on, you know, the cat hitting the needle and, and stuff like that. That's um, so funny. I have a burn CD I made a long time ago and cleaning out the office the other day, I came across it and it is probably the most scratched up disc I've ever seen. And I'm going to go right. try to play it in the, uh, in a in a player, which is becoming harder and harder to find nowadays, and see if it'll still uh, deal with it. Otherwise, I'll uh, chuck that in the garbage and redo if it. If you if it has music you can't find, <laughs> oh no, send it I, to me. Yeah, I I've got find the it. cleaning tools and I've got <laughs> the like polisher. <laughs> never don't mock the polisher, man. <laughs> doctor, what was it? Disc doctor, I think it was. Was the one I used. To I've have. got manual and mechanical and powered versions of those. Uh, oh. So what's your favorite, did, did any particular streaming service kind of come to the, what, do you have a favorite streaming service uh, for 2021 or in general? For me, without a doubt, the number one streaming thing I look at daily is YouTube. I am a fan of people who are passionate about something and they're willing to share it with other people. There are so many channels that I take advantage of. I do subscribe to YouTube Premium just so I can avoid most commercials from YouTube themselves. I just pay them up front and get that out of the way. Uh, however, it, there is something for everyone on that platform. If you're into DIY or gaming or uh, cooking or technology or cars or mm -hmm. I could name any subject and there is a channel out there with people doing really cool stuff. And I love to see the way this has grown and changed over the last few years. I find it more compelling than anything I can get mm -hmm. from broadcast television, save for live sports. In those cases, I am right there with, you know, the populace in terms of either using the antenna or firing up YouTube TV or doing whatever. But for just day-to-day -day things that just please me and for learning and exploring, mm -hmm. Uh, without a doubt, YouTube is just a fantastic platform for that. There's a ton of crap on there like anywhere else, right. but you can curate it to exactly the things you like. And that is kind of nice. I find my playlist or my, my subscribe channels kind of have just grown and present me with just compelling, cool content every day. I don't want to name any particular thing I watch because... I would miss probably two, three dozen other ones that I also sneak in there as well. <laughs> There's just tons of good content from great, great individuals and groups who do really good stuff. I can't imagine going back to just having like when I was a child, three channels over the air or even a cable subscription with the way right. it's commercialized in that way. And you're kind of just no force fed tolerance. it 
the way it is. For commercials anymore. At least with something like YouTube, I can pay a little bit of money yeah. per month and enjoy it in a very direct format with, you know, that's the other, probably the cool thing too, is the interactivity of a platform like that where, hey, if you ask a polite question to any of those creators, chances are they'll probably respond. I love the groups and the communities that spawns, the interactivity of it all. And I know it's, uh, I don't know, it might seem kind of cheesy, but that really is something I've spent a lot of time watching. I mean, I still, I subscribe to a couple of streaming providers for video as well, but without a doubt, I'd hate, well, if you have an Android phone, there's actually a secret menu you can pop up that'll show you the <laughs> amount of time you've spent on any individual app on your phone. Oh my goodness. <laughs> when I see how how YouTube is so much further ahead, measured in days of viewing. <laughs> oh, many, many days. It's uh, striking. Yes. It reminds me I need a new cell phone too at some point, but that's another thing I need to consider and, and we'll talk about later. But yeah, uh, thumbs up for YouTube. Uh, uh, for the good and the bad of it, man, there's endless endless content for me there to watch and enjoy and it encourages me to get out and try things myself and or or just explore content and people and places and things that i probably wouldn't have seen otherwise and it's definitely not something i'm getting from any broadcaster as far as the big yeah. guys you know the abc's nbc cbs whoever the boys and i and my wife started watching uh uh in 2021 was studson studio and he makes uh, miniatures usually around games or movies. He did a, what caught us was a whole series of stuff he did about Studio Ghibli. And for example, the uh, he he basically turns stuff you find in a recycling bin, you know, plastic jugs. Um, he you know bits and pieces he bought at the dollar store, uh, various and sundry plastic model kits, coffee stirs, and. Uh, he turns like he built his own, you know, like 12, 18 inch high version of Owl's Moving Castle, basically out of junk and parts and bits and pieces. And it was extraordinary. And, you know, and it's a long video. You know what I mean? Like, you know, a typical cable network's not going to give somebody 40 minutes to talk about turning soda bottles and, and coffee stirs into a magnificently detailed project. Um, but that was, that was pretty awesome and pretty crazy. Like just watching, I mean, it's, it's part of the nature of YouTube. It's kind of fascinating. Totally. Um, I could throw up a quick example of just circuit design and how products right. are created. I'm not the most knowledgeable person about any of that, but I watch a few channels where folks are either mm -hmm. building their own custom boards or they're taking apart existing products and just going through it in a very digestible manner in terms of how right. it works and why these things are laid out the way they are and where improvements could be made or where money was saved. And that was just kind of a wonderful thing to dive into for 2021 and pr prior to that as well. But yeah, I, I, I will always keep an open mind toward any new platform and try to you know support the creators out there <laughs> wherever they go. But that's one where, man, I would find it more difficult if I were dealing with a young child in terms of their access to online content. That is a whole <laughs> realm of, of pain I have no experience with. But as someone with relatively decent common sense, I am good about curating what I watch. And I'm, I'm old enough to, you know, have seen all the scams right. and have been, 
I grew up with the internet and before the internet. <laughs> so uh, there is some staggeringly weird and, and bizarre stuff. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was laughing. I was watching TikTok one day and this is several months ago, somewhere in mid 2021. A friend of mine was on me. He's like, you gotta, you gotta check out, you gotta check out TikTok. And I was laughing because it seemed like at that particular time, not so much now, it seemed like 25% of the videos that were showing up on TikTok was either, you know, BS house flipper advice or BS entrepreneurial stuff or, you know, some other get rich quick. Um, People dancing. Lots of dancing. Uh, people dancing I'm fine with. Uh, <laughs> Same here. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, people telling me how I'm going to make millions off of, you know, the kind of stuff that usually shows up in a seminar uh, at a motel back in the day before streaming. And that's um, one thing YouTube took from things right. like that was creating their own shorts or basically one minute video, up to one minute video segments yeah. as well. So you can see that there is interest there in that, that quick and fast format type entertainment Sometimes learning. There's nothing wrong with that, but I, I will say settling into a really well thought out video on YouTube is is kind of really impressive. Um, can I give a shout out to, not to move in a completely different direction, but HBO Max. HBO Max has been, I had no idea, like when HBO Max, if you're just, okay, this is where I'm going to watch the last of, you know, whatever, like, okay, Succession, right? Succession, terrible people behaving badly succession i think is probably the best show ever with some fantastic acting but many people would agree know, with you <laughs> oh my goodness uh but it's been crazy mayor of east town was really good um it's uh but looking at uh so hbo max originals uh sesame workshop which is essentially sesame street turner classic movies is in there uh studio ghibli Cartoon network collection adult swim cartoon nitro and looney tunes probably the largest collection of Looney Tunes, classic Looney Tunes cartoons. And it has been hysterical for me to watch my children discover Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. <laughs> I get it. I do. I, I was, I was kind of shocked by how many classic movies are buried inside of HBO Max, you know, along with the Looney Tunes stuff, along with the Ghibli stuff. And the um, South Park stuff. That was kind of surprising. And the South Park stuff. Um, you know, Rick and Morty, um, which I can, I can watch like a couple of uh, episodes of that and I'm basically howling on the couch and my wife is looking at me like I've lost my mind, which I essentially have. Uh, it's It's been really impressive. I do appreciate streaming services that take the time to go back through their content and make it look mm -hmm. as good as possible in a sense, almost like being custodians of the archive. And one that jumped out at me last year was when I was tooling around on Amazon video and they had the original Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I have that on disc. I have that. I don't think I have a 4K version of that. But regardless, it was the quality of that presentation. I think it was just 1080p, but that was the cleanest looking transfer I had ever seen. That was probably the best I'd ever seen it. And just having access to stuff like that is fantastic. Yeah. Especially if it's in good quality. I, I feel like I, I subscribe to Stars because I'm a big fan of the Neil Gaiman book, American Gods, and, and they made a, a, a television series around that. And... Uh, I'm pretty sure that's stars. I feel like a lot of HBO Max's 1080p offerings are much less compressed than they were in the old HBO nowadays. 
they're starting to add 4K. You know, we're used to places like Criterion or the CriterionChannel.com doing these flawless, uh, you know, basically, you know, the telecine and everything's really, really well done. But yeah, I mean, I was, I was laughing because I was watch, going to watch a movie on stars. And I was just like, ah, you know, it's not VHS, but I remember being like, this is not a good transfer. You know, this is, this is not, this is no, thank you. Because <laughs> a lot of it's really getting good. Uh, one last shout out, audiocheck.net, uh, still incredibly useful. If you're not sure if the left and right channel are set up properly, if you are looking to figure out, you know, if you can hear anything above 12,000 hertz, if you are looking to learn more about how audio works on your system from a well-thought-out uh, well website, you know, it's uh, I, I use it a lot. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's really smart. Sound tests, test tones, tone generators, um, blind tests, all of the white noise, pink noise, brown noise um you know they did a great thing like 16-bit versus 8-bit can you hear the difference um that you know there's just a lot of really good stuff in there especially if you want to figure out like how well if you don't if you don't want to run a you know if you don't want to buy a microphone and run rew or do a lot of testing um there's some cool stuff where they they have like your subwoofer you know a kick test um there's just it's a it's a great site if you're interested in audio and understanding how it works or making your audio system better or just verifying that your left and right channel work properly audiotech.net um, <laughs> is worth swinging over to i have had an hdmi cable running out of my notebook into uh, either an amp or a tv and then using audiocheck.net's tools to just do some quick tests to see where problems may or may not exist it's just a handy oh size. Totally agree. <laughs> Did you want to talk about uh, that C9 OLED update, or should we save that for the next episode? I'll just give a quick update. That's a three-year-old TV that just got a sweet little upgrade. Uh, if you happen to have a C9 OLED from LG, version 05.25.07 has arrived, and... Yay, they added the toggle for the no signal message so that you can get rid of that message and enjoy the just art as the screensaver. It was a minor thing. However, more importantly, I think for more people would be that they've added a fine tuning of dark areas for better picture quality in games. And then Mr. Martin Whale on Twitter reminded me that, hey, this update also reduced a flashing artifact when quitting 4K games. So if that's something you've nice. experienced... Do connect your C9 to the internet and grab that update. And uh, I was, you know, it was like a sweet thing from LG because there was no indication they were going to add anything else to that TV. And yet here they did. And I am, as an owner of a, well, I guess I've had mine for about two years now, but it is a three-year-old TV. And it's nice to see it not being abandoned so quickly. It's still got a little life in it. And I, I plan to use it for at least another five years or longer. So... It's good to see the software updates. It's nice when they they give you a product update. I mean, how many how many electronic devices have gotten zero or one update and then quietly been abandoned? Yeah. As I stare over at a stack of routers in the corner of my office, <laughs> looking at my Pixel Three phone, and I am increasingly in a hurry to upgrade it. <laughs> oh my goodness for the security purposes and i may i may actually go back to samsung with the 20 anyway anyway that's a different conversation conversation well, for another day save that for next time 
Oh my goodness. Uh, we got a big stack of viewer questions coming up in the next episode. We got some new products coming out. Uh, we'll talk about whether or not Windows 11 is something you care about in the home theater. Is anybody still running a Windows home theater out there? Email us, ask at avxl.com uh, with any audio, video, streaming, uh, music, whatever questions you got. Email ask at avxl.com. Tweet at Robert Heron, at Patrick Norton, or at avxl. Once again, a big shout out to everybody who's a patron, patreon.com slash avxl. Um, we're not going to hit four episodes this month, so we are not going to charge you for that, but we're going to try to squeak a hangout in uh, after Robert gets moved, I think. I think we can squeak one in. It's going to be tight. February uh, is a February busy month. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, we're, we things should be relatively tame compared to January. We hope, and we'll get back on that episode a week schedule. So, thank you to everyone who supports us. Heck yeah! Thank you to everyone who listens and subscribe. And do us a favor: tell your friends. Search for AVXL on your favorite podcatcher. And with that, I'm Patrick Norton. I am Robert Heron. We'll catch you next week, hopefully, on AVXL.